Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, I actually want to go see, I just want to go see his Instagram page. I don't even know if I follow him on Instagram. He has 371,000 followers. So I don't. I mean, so we know. Like we saw it. He took it down. He, I, he, he, one hundred. I went and checked. Was it just the Abby? No, it's not on there right now. No, it's not on there right now. It says athlete quarterback, planet fuel athlete. God got me. So crazy. It's showing up for me. Yeah, it's not on. It's it shows OU for you. Yes, it says OU athlete. Interesting. Where. Dude, that's crazy. I'm, I'm sending you guys. I just put it up on the board in that thread. That it's back? Yeah. I just it's sent not. the DM. I sent you guys the right. DM. Is that how uh, weird? Hang on. I'll, I'll send. Oh, dude. Instagram trying to start a goddamn conspiracy here. I'll send you what I'll, I'll show start, you what I'm looking at. Let's start podcasting. Yeah, this, th- be- this is. Okay. Dude, that's crazy. Could we only have I know. power. So. All right. That is so crazy. Okay. I don't here, understand All right, let's that. get it. Yep. Okay, here we go, guys. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. And uh, I'm your host, Carrie Murdoch, along with uh, my partner, Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich, and Bob Prisbillo, where... Boy, it's been hectic. St- it's been a hectic start to the show. I've got a, a fence guy over here. I'm trying to tell uh, things to. Uh, we've got all kinds of things to discuss from Lincoln Riley's press conference yesterday. Uh, but we have social media drama to start us out uh, dun, 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 dun. because I went to look it up. Uh, Eddie has looked it up. Spence- it's a deepfake. Spencer a deep Rattler fake. has apparently deleted any affiliation other than a photo. Uh, he no longer identifies as a quarterback at OU on his Instagram page. Just now a quarterback, yet Eddie is somehow being uh, shadow banned or something uh, from Spencer Rattler's account where he still sees that he's listing himself as, an, as a quarterback at OU. It's deep fake. I think, I think this is what it is. I think this is a deep fake. This is a deep fake situation. We're being faked out by the internet right now. Uh, Instagram just trying I to start some start shit. Say, I don't care either way, but it is kind of funny. I mean, he has not removed uh, any OU pictures from his Instagram that I can tell. And he hasn't changed his Twitter. His Twitter still reads the his, same. Like, I, I don't know. It's all, it's all very strange. Sunday but Sunday after Texas. For the, and I, I can't remember if Carrie, like, I know we kind of are like in mid-conversation because we were talking about this before, but for those like 
that don't know, I'm looking at it, and I can't see any OU information in his bio on Instagram. Eddie is looking at it literally simultaneously, and he can see it. So we don't know okay, what is, is happening this is crazy. here. This is crazy. Now I'm looking, not in there. So your cash updated. Okay, now if, if I refresh it and it's there, that's going to be some shit right there. That nope, nope, still, it, yep. Yep, that didn't. That's that would so have been fun. great podcasting, but as it was, totally un, unexciting. Well, and this being on the heels of, of not really awkward, just realistic questions yesterday to Lincoln Riley in his press conference, which is uh, kind of, uh, I think, a really good way to put it. Like, when can you play Spencer Rattler? Like, is it going to be insulting if you put him in there mm-hmm. when you're blowing out Kansas uh, or you're up by 50? Like, you guys remember this. Uh we were in Lawrence one year, and they played Kyler Murray after Baker, and it was no big deal. Like, it was just Kyler Murray's time because he wasn't the starting quarterback. Uh, and when the game gets out of hand, then Kyler Murray comes in, and you just wanted him to come in with enough time where he could actually still throw the ball. He doesn't have to hand it off. And that's, you know, he got a couple of series, and then it just kind of, they ran the clock out. But, like, now you have a quarterback that has been yanked from the starting line, beat out midseason, like, what's the proper protocol to play that guy as a backup in a in a game against a, a overmatched opponent? Is He's there a backup? And you still have to flip it. I to how many reps does Caleb need? For you know, he I, honestly have a lot of reps. You know how how often that how has to be to Lincoln's plan to the third quarter. I I mean because that I mean guys, let's be honest. That's the only thing that makes this game interesting is how they're going to play the quarterback snaps thing like that that's because you're right Carrie. like I don't understand how you put Rattler out there and not create some really weird vibes for that whole team like that that feels like that's just funny from word go and I I I honestly think he's gonna find it more insulting than hey I'm gonna go put some stuff on tape here yeah because the last time you were playing for this team you were playing meaningful snaps trying to win a football game now you're going to walk out there with the game already decided, knowing that you're just going through the motions? It's going to be weird. I, against He's Kansas. the backup, though. I mean, like, you could be hardo why? about it all you want. I mean, I've heard people do that this morning. They're like, he, sh- he should be happy he's on scholarship. He's a backup quarterback. He needs to be, you know, he needs to go out there and play as hard as he can. You're ignoring the reality of the situation by just I, saying he's I, the backup. I, 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 I would also I, say, no, I mean, that I'm sick of treating this kid with, like, kids' gloves. That's right. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. I mean, I, I agree. Why, why do we continue to go out of our – and we've all said, like, we've all been up front. I feel terrible for the kid. It, he, What he's going through, I don't think anybody could ever understand. But it is also reality, and that's where yep. we're living right now. It's like, why does Lincoln Riley continue to go out of his way to, like, basically treat this kid with gloves on and it's – it's like two children, and I, I guess I've never had kids, so I don't under, I, I don't know if like I completely understand this, but I think he feels like he knows that he doesn't have to worry about Caleb, and you got to keep Spencer a little bit closer because you don't want him to turn into the school shooter. And I know that's a bad, oh my god, comparison. <laughs> but Jesus Christ! Remember what we were talking about? I remember what we were talking about monetization. <laughs> Oh, yeah, God. before the podcast, I was telling Eddie the things that he could say that would get us demonetized once we start doing all this on YouTube, and that's it right there. 
Well, he I mean, just, he waited six minutes. I should never minutes. have said that because he just can't help himself. You know, I mean, if we get a podcast that gets demonetized, it gets demonetized. I don't give a shit. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. They're getting authentic Eddie. They know they can trust that Eddie that they're getting. It's not It's not some powder puff version. Um, but no. Now, Eddie cannot know, be a guest on the Isaiah Thomas show with the way things are going right now. For sure. We need that money. I'll start a bigger, better show. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like still, to see you try. I'd like I to see that, you try. By the way, I love how on all the YouTube comments, it's like, man, Eddie, that's an awesome show you're doing. I, I want the Eddie, Eddie gets, and Stutzman show. Eddie gets all credit for everything around here. It's just, you know, whatever. Walk with me down the uh, concourse one day at an OU football game. It's, We're, it's like, woo. I need a security team. I, you know, and I, I'm not, Carrie, it feels like you're a little bit about the glory here. Are we a little glory hound? I mean, is that, is that what we're doing here? If I was about the glory, I would have answered the comments on the, on the Isaiah <laughs> Thomas show feed. All right. <laughs> I would have said, you really uh, think no, Eddie has anything like, to do with this? I, Guys, I seriously don't understand. I'm, I'm sick of Spencer Rattler, like this little pity party. I, I really, am. yeah. I think it it's fair because what Eddie's saying is right. He is the backup. He should be going out there. But what have we seen of Spencer Rattler? It's what we've talked about when he was a starter that says he's going to handle this mm-hmm. and take it on the chin. That that's not really his method. Like that's not how he's he's behaved at any point since we've really known the kid. And I like I said again. So- that's fine. That's who he is. By the way, can we could we just send out a, a hard and fast rule? Um, don't don't agree to be on a documentary when you're in high school and you're a star athlete. Like uh, only agreed. bad can happen. Only bad things uh, can happen to you. Uh, I mean, Jake. Uh, what was the case? Jake Fromm didn't come look, out across as like yeah. a, a loser. Well, yeah, he waited till uh, he said some things in private to a girl for that. Remember those text messages? I feel like once about you that. know, Carrie, talk about glory hound. I, it feels like the moment you got on the Jake Fromm bandwagon, it was almost downhill from there. Yeah, I might have jinxed him. Yeah, yeah, because you were kind of loving that guy early on. But, I mean, Tate Martell came off better than Spencer Rattler. Oh. And, and Tate Martell, that, didn't, that wasn't all, all great. I think there's a lot of comparisons right now out there with those two. So m- I, maybe this I, I, is a game, like, if it's 21-7, he puts Rattler in in the second quarter for a series so that he you try to frame it. Oh. And it wasn't. That's not a bad idea. God. I, That's I, interesting, I Bob. Everything about that. Why? I, why? I agree, though. I think it's a scenario. Here's the question that has to be asked, though. Is he even going to get to Lawrence? Is he going to be on the team when they get to Lawrence? Seriously. That's a fair question. Um, here is, here's the question, though. Why do you guys think Lincoln is going out of his way to do this? You want my my super? I don't think this is like a conspiracy, but it's my theory. I mean, I have my own theories, but I'm, I'm asking well, for yours. Let's match them up. I, I think in all heart of hearts, I think Lincoln Riley absolutely hates the idea of playing a true freshman, and it's not that Caleb can't handle it, but I think he looks at it as three years down the road as a like. I almost feel like he's more worried about Caleb Williams preparing for Kansas than he is throwing him into the middle of the Cotton Bowl. And I know that doesn't make any sense, but I think that he's a little bit worried about not necessarily how Caleb handles it, but the pure development of the quarterback. Am I looking into that too much? I'm not really following you, I'll be honest. 
I think that like he just hates the idea of is this too much for not too much for Caleb to handle in a way, but is it almost too much publicity? I guess maybe at once, like everybody's slobbering all over him. Kirk Herbstreet wants to date him basically. And it's like, is this hurting his true development in the long run? And I know that doesn't make sense, but like, I, I just feel like, I don't know. I, I think it's explain. more, I think it's more like, like I said this on the, on the post game pod, Eddie, like, I think this is all about Caleb's development. Like he doesn't want him in terms of how he's treating Caleb. Now the this that, that's totally different from what I'm talking about with Spencer and why he is handling it the way he's handling it. Like I think it's in some way he looks at it as a recruiting issue. 100%. So 100%. I, I that, that's he, I think I that. he failed Rattler. I think he feels like a failed player. Uh, yep. I, I agree because I mean he really he's, uh, yep a freshman in high school he's known him so long and he wanted to bring the best out in him and for whatever reason it hasn't hasn't happened and it's like confusing him and frustrating him and he doesn't want to give up on him yet I think that's a good point I mean I yeah I haven't really thought of it that way because yep. we all know that I laughed at the prospects of Jalen Hurts being successful in this offense at the level of Baker and Kyler, and you can still argue that he wasn't, but he still got him to a college football playoff. I mean, Spencer was nowhere near that type of quarterback, and nope. he's and he's a much more talented thrower, I would say. Although Jalen Hurts isn't bad. Je- Spencer Rattler is the first guy, and I, I, again, I don't want to say this like I think Riley thinks of it in these terms, but this is the way he knows recruiting is going to look at this. Spencer Rattler is the first thing that is at all a hurt to Lincoln Riley's brand as a quarterback developer. Jalen Hurts, holy cow, look what he did with Jalen Hurts. He made him in a second-round pick. Nobody had that a year ago. Like he, Nobody would have and thought that coming out of Alabama. And a runner-up yeah. to the Heisman. Yeah, and then you've got you've got obviously Kyler Murray, you know, MVP candidate. Baker Mayfield has done great things for Cleveland. I mean, there's all these things that say Lincoln Riley is the best in the game at quarterback. But, oh, he's got this five-star that everybody wanted, and he can't start. And he wasn't like, a and, transfer from another school. Yep, exactly, because it was his first chance to have his guy, and that didn't go. And I think Bob's exactly right. Like, Lincoln is genuine. Like, he develops these relationships with these kids. It, everybody wants to play for him because he does create, you know, such great offenses and does all these amazing things. But he legitimately develops strong relationships with these kids, their parents, their families. It's not for show. And so I think it does hurt him when somebody he's put so much time and effort into, it just doesn't go right. It's not about how does it look. It's more about, like, I wanted this guy to succeed, and it pains me that he doesn't. I, I'm just sense. I'm just waiting yep. for the first reporter to phrase the question like, Lincoln, how does it feel that your first choice as a high school quarterback didn't work out, but the guy you fell into uh, after your first choice backed out on you ended up being better? The whole Brock Vandegrift thing. I mean, I'm that's kind of the game that you play when you, you go through recruiting, though, isn't it? I mean. I, I don't. But I, I mean, that's the thing. I like guess. they, I mean, that's. I'm not trying to take a shot at Lincoln. But I'm just saying sure, that's sure. that's 
the reality of it no, is, it, it is I mean, for Lincoln to say that he and Cohen had a lot to do. I had everything to do with it. But for Lincoln to sit there and say he's never seen uh, Caleb Williams take a live snap, just like I was just like, God, amazing. I never thought of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that's amazing. unbelievable. I don't know what's more amazing, the fact that that happened or the fact that he's now played seven quarters, one newcomer of the week, one offensive player of the week, and is uh, sixth in the Heisman Trophy race. He's played seven quarters yeah. against two not very good defenses. Well, there are guys at who the same stand time, out. But at the same time, he's been – I don't think anybody could have predicted how good he was going to be. I, and I'm I not think him – From a number standpoint, just from a how he's handled everything standpoint. Yeah. Yep. I – I think him winning it is preposterous. I just don't. I don't believe that's possible in half a season. Oklahoma would have to me, somehow transform yeah. itself into as dominant a team as Georgia is right now. Yes, if, for him I, to have I a chance, needed, I think it would have to be overwhelming. Needed, I think he'll go to New York City. That that's what I was going to say. Yeah. But I'm about ready to bet money that he's in New York. Oh, shit, yeah. I got to pay for that now. You know what? <laughs> you know what is crazy though. Uh, Josh, and you, I think you tweeted it during the game, and we can kind of get into the performance of what he was able to do uh, last Saturday against TCU. Just the way that he moves around in the pocket, mm-hmm. he doesn't look like a freshman. And for somebody who have not played in two years to be that cool, that calm, I think just speaks volumes about what he is. I mean, we saw at the Cotton Bowl, and just for him to – that one play where he drops the snap and then throws the touchdown to Marvin Mims – that was a holy shit moment that I think is up there as far as moments that I can remember since covering the team. Just as far as, like, you were able to do that in that circumstance and be that cool, that calm on the Texas end of the stadium. Like, that is incredible to me. Well, and people trying to hit on it, like, oh, the deep ball. I, I will, I mean, like, if we've seen anything. The deep ball is something he's continuing to work on. I wouldn't say it's the best part of his game at this point. But you look at the throw to Mike Woods that Mike Woods flat out should have caught. You look at the deep ball that Marvin Mims would have had if not for the pass interference. Those are perfect throws. Like It's not like he's miles away from having that aspect of his game or anything. It's just not consistently there right now. But, but to, the to bottom be critical line is of that he's for, actually going downfield. To be, a guy, to be critical of that, though, is to ignore the fact that he's never – been in game speed, full adrenaline running, throwing these passes to players that are that fast before in his entire life. And 100%. he sat out all last year. He hadn't played a game until 2019. Uh, and yeah, he's had some underthrows that actually worked out because of Marvin Mims and his ability to adjust the football. Uh, but he's had some overthrows. Like That's the part of his game I think that's going to be the hardest for him to adjust to. Because like I said, he's never thrown to receivers this fast before down the field like that. It, like I said, I, I just I don't think you can overstate how impressive he's been. And it's not like you'd understand if it was okay. This kid's just playing. He he's kind of letting you know the leaders of the team do those. He's invested in all of it. Like he he is right in the middle. Like you know Eddie had the video of him with the offensive line, and I mean he is. There, there's no part of it that he's like, well, that's that's too much for me right now. That's that's more than I can process. He is just great, you know, just embracing every aspect of being not only the quarterback of this team, but I, he's emerging as one of the leaders, which is insane to say. It's those little things that I know that there's a lot of people that just roll their eyes at stuff like this. But uh, you know, OU tweets out 
the uh, Joe Moore midseason uh, watch list or whatever for the offensive line. And he retweets something to the effect of those are my guys or something. Yeah. Yep. I know that I know that like in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't help you win football games. But just seeing stuff like that, I can't remember the other guy doing that. And I know it, it doesn't mean anything. But like I got I got video of him uh, before the game, uh, you know, like as got as they're going back into the locker room before they come back out for the for the team intro. And he's the one guy standing there, like patting everybody on the on the helmet, on the shoulder pads and stuff. It's it's it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. But you know, I, I told you that like somebody, one of the photographers turned around. And he's like, "That's the difference." And he didn't even have to say what he was talking about. We both knew what he was talking about. Do you guys think that some of it? You know, I know we keep coming back to comparisons between the two. Do you think, and I, not that anybody on that team is making that comparison. I mean, you know, even if they are or they aren't, that's not really what I'm, what I'm trying to get at. Do you think that just the difference that does exist in their personality types makes it seem even bigger from Caleb Williams, even to the players? Like it's more, like you know, the mm-hmm. guy in the desert notices he's more thirsty than the guy sitting, you know, in the middle of a of his house. Like it's just it, it hasn't been there. And now it's there in a huge way. It's it's polar opposites. Yeah. I mean, literally polar opposites. The way that, from what we see on Saturdays, the way that they operate and the way that they go about themselves. But I mean, they've got all that fun sideline interaction that you've noted, Eddie. That that's always heartwarming. <laughs> the more I thought about it, like I do think that I'm looking into things probably a little too much. Like I'll admit, the sights it, and sounds this week didn't look that bad. I mean, like no, well, I I think this week it was like a concerted effort that I somebody said something to him like, "You need to stop. So. You need to stop." Pouting over. Your body language looks bad, yeah. Your body language is terrible. I think he made a concerted effort to be more happy, be more outgoing. Like he was even, uh, you know, like during offensive series when when the starters were out there, you could just tell that he was more in tune. And I think that you know it might just be obvious because he hadn't been pulled from that game. He knew what was he knew what it was going into that. But at the same time, I just. I don't know. There is still something there. I mean, I, I don't think that I'm looking too much into it. And Riley can say all, all that he wants about how great a relationship they have. I just, I know that not to be the case. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. There are, it's, it's not just that. like what we yeah. see. There are people mm-hmm. that are involved that will tell you that's not the case. Right. Um, it, and the... I think that the play, like, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, we're not stupid. The players aren't stupid. They know they know what's going on inside that locker room. I'm not saying that they like have gotten into fist fights with each other, but sure. they know that they're not the best of friends. And they also know which quarterback gives them a better opportunity to win. Well, and that's that's really where it comes down to. It's like who's the I mean, you I it's just like when we were talking to Isaiah and showing him that play, like the way his face lit up. It's mm-hmm. like you can kind of tell like the players they side with the guy that makes them the best team. They just do. It's not personal. It's just they want to win. And their guy is the guy. They may love, you know, Spencer Rattler. Everybody may think he's the greatest thing ever as a person. They want the best quarterback out there. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Um, 
the best defenders. Well, and that's the thing uh, in terms of the defenders. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, OU's defense sucks again. Yeah. Uh, and look, it, it was. I thought it was noteworthy, guys. Bob, I thought it was noteworthy that uh, Riley came out on Monday and said that uh, they weren't on the practice field. Uh, because I, yeah. I I thought that's probably a pretty good idea considering you're playing Kansas. This is as beat up a football team as they've been all year. Uh, it's it's gotten to the point where it's really starting to affect their play on the field. Yeah, I mean we we ask the questions like after week two or three, and it's like mm, not that big of a deal yet. But with each passing week, each injury that's adding up, and no one coming back, it's not like they've had a. You know, guys go out, but then the first ones come back, so it's okay. The depth is all right. They just haven't been at full strength or even close to it, and you can't hide it anymore. If the defensive line isn't playing at an elite level, not even like good, but elite level, you can't hide everything that's going on in the back end with all the people that they're missing. And frankly, I don't even know if that's going to change during the next – two weeks so this is a huge two-game stand here by the defensive line to help the secondary get to november and why, why the, have they been so bad over the last two weeks the secondary's been awful i mean it, it, it they've been i mean Jaden davis for one does is not played well uh it it shows how much they've missed woody washington and not having delarian turner yell except for one snap against texas i mean I can understand the secondary stuff, but like moving Billy Bowman to corner didn't make work. Any sense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just they want to get Jalen Redmond back really bad, and they don't. Which you're right; it doesn't make any sense because at times, and maybe it's because Isaiah Coe hasn't been fully healthy. Maybe like they feel best about him inside. Uh, but obviously, that Texas game, they really felt like Isaiah Thomas gave them a boost in the middle. It's just that I think maybe TCU's offensive line wasn't as bad as Texas's. TCU's O-line is better. Isaiah Thomas is 265 pounds. Yeah, he can't he, live inside. And he played the entire all the game time. in there. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's a great curveball. It's a nice change of pace. You can't do it every snap against a good offensive line. And TCU, unusually enough, is pretty good up front this year. Um, Oklahoma is fortunate they did not have to deal with Zach Evans on Saturday night. He would have torch them a couple of times he is yeah, I, I mean went by three touchdowns yeah the miller guy no. did enough i mean no yeah and he's a good player but he i mean zach evans is he's not Bijan, but he's not that far behind zach evans is a he's more powerful than Bijan. yeah Bijan, for all the stuff that that he is he's i mean and he does run through tackles uh because of his quickness but he he is the epitome of he has to get to the second level to be really effective because yeah. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma both. Uh, I mean, remember the? Did you see the play when Malcolm Rodriguez just headed him up? I mean, like th- th- he does not possess that ability, like to to run through the trash at the line of scrimmage. He's more yeah. of an open field guy. Whereas exactly. it's, just, it's not his Zach game. Evans it's not his inclination. Is, Zach Evans is more that guy that can kind of bull his way through a line. Yeah. Yeah, if if I had to have three yards, I'd bet on Zach over Bijan. I think that's fair. Like I, I know what you're saying. You know, I'm not saying like he's Giovanni Bernard or anything, but I mean, <laughs> I got you. I know what you mean. But yeah, I, uh, TCU is just was better up front. And again, I mean, we talked about it after that Texas game. 
I, I thought moving Isaiah in there showed you how much they are missing Jalen Redmond. It, it, that pass rush has not been the same since he left uh, that the defensive line. So they, they need him to get back healthy as soon as they can. If you got him and Woody back, I, I think a huge amount of this defensive problems almost evaporate overnight. I think I, I kind of get the sense like the reason that they have Isaiah in time inside is because he is so quick and he kind of commands double teams because mm-hmm. you have to keep him from shooting gaps on you. Uh, and that should free up, you know, guys on the outside. But I, I, I don't think that they played that well on the, on the outside. I mean, other than Nick Benito and, and Nick had a down game, but uh, you think that Reggie Grimes would step up. He didn't really do that. I don't think Caleb Kelly's making much of a difference on the outside. Um, and they didn't seem to play Ethan Downs all that much last week. Do you guys think that there is some some space in there that is just a Texas letdown, just coming off that win and how all that they had to pour into it in the second half? Like I, because I, I mean, Benito is not getting pressure off the like that doesn't smell right to yeah. me. Like that that feels like something's just a little off with focus or whatever you want to call it. And I get nobody's going to accept that as a reason, but I'm saying I don't expect that to continue because. There's too much talent on that front that front four for them not to get pressure week in and week out. Just doesn't it doesn't add up. Like it, it doesn't add up that they and I'll give them like they just had a bad game. Maybe they had a bad game. TCU, I know Gabe was very complimentary of uh, the way that they've been playing up front. They just maybe they had a rough game, but I mean they didn't necessarily have a great first half against Texas. Uh, I feel like it's starting to become a little bit of a theme. I'm not overly worried, uh, but that's why I like like the overall product defensively right now. It feels like they've taken multiple steps back, and I realize injuries play a little part in that. They they probably play a big part in that, and that's kind of the reality of the situation. But at the same time, like statistically, this team is worse than they have been from the Mike Stoops days, and that's flat out depressing. I think. That's why fans are so mad. That's why fans are so angry, and I, I completely get it. It It's interesting for me because with the, the, the TCU ran the ball well. That was a different scenario to me. But most of these other games, OU has had tr- trouble with big plays. They're giving up one or two big plays, and it's killing their numbers, like the Xavier Worthy sure. touchdown or you know that kind of stuff. And you can kind of say – Okay, Jaden Davis had a rough day. Latrell McCutcheon had a bad day. You know, like whatever it may be. But TCU was different. That that felt different where OU wasn't commanding the line of scrimmage the way they have through, really through the rest of the season, in my opinion. So it was, it was that, some bad that, that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Um, guys, like it's it's the tackling stuff. It's the mm-hmm. lack of execution and the fundamentals of, you know, tackling angles and angles and stuff like that's the kind of stuff it's like what am i missing why are they yep. so so bad at this guys this are out <sighs> talk about it on tuesday or after the games it's like he's almost at his wits end as far as like what am i doing wrong that is not getting to these guys yep which which it's got to be careful of because uh, that's a lot of what the last uh-huh. defensive coordinator got into. Oh, yep. you read sure. my mind. Yep, but that, that's a like, very fine line like, to walk. I feel like you, you it's not tenure, like Chris Kleiman like, bad, they but you know, strangle oh. some of these guys. Like, what is you? You guys have accomplished nothing. 
I, I, I just don't get it. I really don't get uh, it. And guys, but you're right though. At the same time, Josh, they they do play so well through spurts of the game, mm-hmm. and then they give up the 53 yarder where they miss five tackles, or they give up the 73 yarder uh, over the top. It's just well, like it's it's little things that if they could clean that up, I think a lot of people wouldn't be bitching at all. Look at Texas. They they dominated that second half. They played maybe their best ball of the year. OU finally gets the lead, and they let Casey Thompson and everybody just walk down the field. I mean, just walk through them. And you're like, what? What changed? What happened here? And some of that is Texas. Like the, you know, you could tell in parts of that second half, Texas was just trying to get off that field. They wanted to be done with that game. They were trying to slow it down. Like I, I get all that, but it. I mean, OU had all the momentum. It was in the OU half. Like that, That's just one of those things hard to explain. But for me, guys, the thing I can't figure out is, I, is, is OU just this stubborn in the secondary? Like it does not seem to matter what happens. Certain guys are just going to play. Just going to play. Like Josh Eaton, every time that guy's on the field, I see him doing good stuff. I know he gave up the touchdown. Everybody freaks out. What other corner that we saw OU play on Saturday was in phase and in position against Quentin Johnston? He clearly played that better than anybody else, and that's yeah, we really seen, the... We haven't seen a quarterback yes. make that play since Woody Washington. Yes, and it was like, oh, well, there he proved us right. What? Like, I, I've I, seen all these other guys miss tackles and angles, and I, I don't understand it. I'm completely there with everybody else in the fan base that that like okay so you need to build trust which i completely get it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it on a podcast we're not the ones that are responsible for throwing those guys out there but at the same time how do you build trust when you can only i guess do it on two days a week on tuesday and wednesday which they're so famous for talking about it's like i don't know it's like if you're going to lose, you might as well go down with a guy like a Joshua Eaton or give Bryson Washington a chance because every time they've gotten on the field, they've at least, even if they've quote-unquote failed, they've done so in a in a manner that you can live with, right? Here's here's another, here's an issue I have. Okay. So to give him a little praise because he deserves it, uh, I thought the last couple of games Justin Broyles has been as good as he has since he's been Agreed. in Oklahoma. Uh, but you gave him a chance time and time and time again. And people didn't understand why you kept giving him a chance. Jordan Mukes had one bad play against Kansas State, and he hasn't seen the field since. Yep. So are at you... Position, at a position that he shouldn't even been playing. Yeah. You gave him the chance over Josh Eaton. Yeah, you moved him to corner, but not Josh... Like, not Josh... Justin Harrington? I mean... Ugh. And isn't it? Is, do, do isn't they just it view the twenty the twenty twenty class as true freshmen? Like, do they just not see just no development or progress at all because of what happened with COVID? So they just they're all true freshmen in the eyes of Grinch and Manning. And if they do, I just find that to be such a like a weird way to look at it because you look on the other side of the football, you got guys excelling. Well, now, I mean, but on the other side of the ball, um, it's taken a while. I mean, nobody was talking about how many receivers Oklahoma had two weeks or three weeks ago. Sure. Well, that's another conversation for another. We could spend an hour talking about that, just how weird it's been that, oh, all of a sudden Marvin Mims is a part of the team. All of a sudden Jaden Hazelwood's a part of the team. 
it just it it's incredible but that also took them taking a chance on somebody else right but it was interesting that Lincoln Riley came out and, and basically blamed the defensive line for all the defensive problems. Well, and you that, got a guy that sits back there without any pressure. I mean, we saw that for the sacks. last. Eight well, but years. what I'm saying is, it's interesting that he makes that claim when they've, you know, they have been carrying this defense mostly, uh, knowing that they're banged up, uh, and sure. they probably don't want to play a whole lot of people. So if they get after the Kansas quarterback, that makes their life a lot easier defensively and kind of can cover up a lot of things this week until they get really healthy. That's my thinking. Is it's 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 the group that can be prodded to actually make a difference in the game. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're going to push the secondary to suddenly reach new heights. Like I don't, I, and that's not a bag on them. That's they are who they are, and they're beat up. Like I, I that that's okay. I can understand where they're at, but well, and, and the linebacker. Let me put a pin in that because I want to come back and talk about uh, Lincoln's kind of his whole demeanor with the, with the entire team. Uh, but first, I want to take a time out, tell everybody about DeadSoxy.com, uh, our great sponsor of the Unofficial 40 podcast. Uh, I know that we talk about the no-shows all the time, but it's getting ready to be boardroom season, and that's a good thing because uh, the new OU collection is out, State and Stripes, Crimson, Wagon, uh, State Text, uh, a whole new collection. If you've supported us and, and, and bought your Dead Soxy socks before, well, there's a whole new collection out there. The Maker Bayfields have sold out almost immediately. They'll be back in stock soon. Uh, but use that promo code BOOMER for 20% off. Uh, and like I said, time to start socking, uh, stocking up on the, uh, the, the boardrooms for Dead Soxy because the time for no-shows are almost over. And Eddie, regardless if you're wearing the no-shows or the boardroom, it really is just like putting, putting a couple of pillows on your feet. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be something if Baker Mayfield was wearing the boardroom over on the sidelines on Thursday night when he's not playing? <laughs> Or you're really trying Bayfield. to get on Baker's list, aren't you? I mean, you know, you're, you're what do you mean? You publicly kind of, you know, talked about how oh, he wasn't God playing well. That I say that he played bad for a half. He, he has over. a list, Eddie. You're gonna get on it. It's not gonna be good for anybody. <laughs> you see, well, Billy if, Madison. If, if that's, nobody if that's, get on this list. I I remade that video. I shouldn't be on any list. <laughs> If, if that I, spurs him on to play better and I can start betting well, you on know the rounds on Sundays, so be it. Uh, Baker, you don't have right a new contract yet, so make sure you use that promo code BOOMER for 20% off of your order um, to get your Karen, own socks you that aren't really you. say Maker Bayfield? No, that was the name of the sock, Maker Bayfield. Yeah. Uh, okay. My right. God, you're just like the Crimson Corner people all of a sudden. And, I, you know, and what you know is... what? Mason Rudolph can use the same one, and he can use the uh, the promo code Pete, because he's going to be standing <laughs> on the sidelines as well. <laughs> what if Mason Rudolph wore the Maker Bayfields? Oh, that'd, that'd be, be epic. Badass. He probably would. Baker's his daddy anyway. I, guys, watching what's happening... Together. Between Eddie and Baker, it's hard right now. It's like it's shattering my world. Like I don't understand it's it. It's settling. I don't a, like it. Yeah. I'm a Kyler Murray guy. What can I say? My team's six oh, and out. Oh no! Like oh my God! You just ask me. <sighs> well, I guess you know Baker never like played a lot. So I can see that the 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 rift has finally started. Baker, you had there your chance no to reach out, let Eddie be a bigger part of your life. You did take it. So now he's your enemy. I've always been an like NFC that? guy, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks to Dead Soxy. Go check him out, deadsoxy.com. Um, one of the things, and you were mentioning it, you know, uh, 
you can kind of get more out of the defense, and maybe that was why Lincoln uh, kind of targeted them. But there is no doubt, and this goes with Caleb, this goes with everybody, Lincoln is, is guys, Bob, I'd love for you to chime in here. Oh, real quick, we have some breaking hoops news, Josh. I know that you don't want to take time to recognize this. Muted, muted. Uh, I'm, not, muted. I'm not listening to any of it. But since I mentioned Bob's name, it just reminded me, Bob, uh, what the hell... Uh, international for Porter Moser? International, man. We're going to Germany. Like the Wagner boys at Michigan or Oscar Da Silva at Stanford or even Dennis Schroeder. It's another Schroeder, not totally not related to Dennis, but Benny Schroeder from Germany, eight, uh, 18 years old, about 6'7", has announced his commitment to the Sooners, and that's the second in a week. That's the third in this entire month. And I think that's going to close it up for 2022 for Porter Moser for the early signing period. We'll see what happens in the spring and the portal and all that stuff. But I think they're content with where they are right now for 2022 heading into next month's early signing period. And then all it's all about 2023. And they can stay in state for a lot of those 2023 kids. So it's a very exciting time. Me and Eddie got to check out practice yesterday with uh porter moser just a very different feeling compared to seeing something run by lon kruger but excited to see how all these pieces come together how quickly they can get them to mesh and gel and become a cohesive unit no doubt one of the biggest challenges that porter moser has in his first year in norman by the way sit down maybe we'll do a before they get going we'll do an entire basketball preseason preview podcast because there's so much to get into josh and will I know be the producer wanna, on we, that show yeah <laughs> we just we don't want to we don't want to waste josh's time because it, it was like it, in a sense real quick on basketball practice yesterday it was it reminded me of when smalls catches the fly ball from benny in uh sandlot and everybody's like all right all right okay that was my moment yesterday when i heard a coaching staff member yell the word for the first time in Lloyd Noble Center history in like the last <laughs> decade plus. I was like, oh, this is going to be a little different, isn't it? That's right. They hired a new coach, right? I heard oh something about this. Oh, my God, Josh. <laughs> oh, wow. I see how it is. Get that Cam Newton gift Get ready. OU hoops we'll be, boycotting uh, we'll against us, all right? We'll when I'm at mass with the Mosers on Sunday morning because we're now very, very close. Well, I mean – to kind of get back on on topic a, a bit, it, it's been crazy just to see all these coaches with Texas ties like K.T. Turner, the Midwest ties of Moser and Dildy. They go to New Jersey, Nevada, and Germany to get their class started. So it, it kind of opens things up to me to if they offer some kids in the middle of nowhere, it might actually lead to something. It's been very impressive getting Otega away Milos Uzan and, and now Schroeder. I, I mean, this is a pretty impressive haul when you've got nothing to show that your system's going to work at a level like the Big 12. Who knew that Schroeder was such a common name in Germany? By the way, uh, this segment uh, is this racist segment brought to you by uh, Dennis Schroeder. It appears that Benjamin is a white fellow, if you were wondering, which I know some of you are. Yeah, that's why I said there's no relation. That's what, that was what I said. They could be related. Part. I mean, that's possible if they married that's why, sisters. But that's what I said. I go, there's no relation. But that's what they're hoping. The the Wagner boys, the Silva, Seems and Stanford. Like stereotyping from to me, Bob. Last year. Yep. 
Going to Germany. All right. Um, so, yeah, good news for uh, Porter Bozer and the uh, OU basketball crowd. Uh, Josh McQuiston will never get those 10 minutes back in his life. I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, so, um, back to Lincoln Riley and his press conference. Guys, I I just kind of find it interesting. It seems like Lincoln is going old school a little bit. It's almost like he's putting his foot down and saying, you know what, we haven't lived up to expectations. Uh, and... I'm going to make sure that we don't have another one of these situations where our players don't live up to the billing and they don't make the jumps that they need to make. So I'm I'm going to be hardline Lincoln Riley now. That's just kind of the feel that I get from him. It, it's a lot easier to make all of these uh, statements and talk about it and go through this kind of, uh, I don't know, experiment that he's going through, if you will, when they're 7-0 and and probably going to be 9-0 and going into the bye week, right? And you're playing Kansas, yeah. And you're playing, yeah, Kansas and Tech. Like they, it's it's kind of like we talked about after the game, Carrie, on the uh, post game podcast. They basically have twenty four ish, twenty five days to get ready for the last three games of the season that will tell the fate of the season. I did think it was interesting that basically Eddie, you made Lincoln Riley wave the white flag yesterday. Well, we're laugh. best friends and we laugh. We we yep, have hearts and laugh. ha-has together. It was a hearts and ha-has moment. <laughs> But I mean, at one point he was just like, "Geez, what's all? What's with all the questions today?" It's like we're seven and zero, guys. But at the same time, I I can I get it. Like they're you should have said, "Well, and it's not your fault." But they cut off media access teams. last week, and we're all pissed, and we're taking it out. We're extracting extracting our pound of flesh today. I don't think anybody like like was taking shots at him. It's like. Why the hell? No, they were the just asking so good good questions about why things are aren't better. I mean, it, it, it feels normal again. Not worried about the offense. Why does this defense suck? That's it. It's what it boiled it, down to, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't asked, but that's the question. That's the question everybody wants to know. They are back into the— Are you going to be held back by your defense once again? Even though it looked, right. like, even though yep. it looked like you had fixed a lot of this stuff. Correct. And, I, I, it, it, I again, I go back to— it's not like like big picture. I still think that they're headed in the right direction. I think that like people that want to fire Alex Grinch are insane. But what they've been able to kind of build their foundation on in the quote unquote speed D, it seems like that foundation has been wiped away. Like what I, I just I don't understand what the uh, malfunction is and why some of these guys aren't responding and or mm-hmm. why some of these guys aren't getting more opportunities. And I know that Justin Broyles and Patrick Fields, are they've become the whipping boys for everybody. But at the same time, you see you know, Pat Fields basically whiff a tackle on the uh, 53-yard screen in the first quarter. And it's like, I just, what am I missing here? Well, I, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's, a question that they don't have answers to because they wouldn't be doing that if they did. They no, have it. And I, I get it. And I, I like the, the, the direct response when somebody asked me that question, it's like, I can promise you that nobody wants to fix it and change it as much as Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, and anybody associated with that defense. It just, I don't know. I, I guess I have a little bit of buyer's remorse in that. Like, this isn't what we were promised in a way. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, I think this, everybody this, feels like, that way to some extent. The, yeah, the, the, yeah the that's what the line, offense though. was for five, the, five, five weeks. Sure, but that could that was almost like it could be explained because it was like, 
okay, well, the offensive line's not playing well, and in turn, that puts a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler, who in turn isn't playing well. Like, it could be explained. Why guys like Perrion Winfrey, you know, uh, any of the defensive linemen, Isaiah Thomas, all these guys, it's like, so you just take Jalen Redmond off and everybody crumbles? This defensive line was supposed to be one of the best defensive lines, not in the Big 12, but in the country. Were they just overrated? Well, but at the same time, we've seen Corey Roberson do good things. We've seen Isaiah Coe do good good things. We've seen Josh Ellison do good things. It's like, why all of a sudden did everyone just get benched? Yeah, why did everybody have a bad game? And and maybe it just maybe it's as simple as that. TCU was just better that day, and you, if that's the case, live with it. But I think the other the other frustrating part about it too is is the fact that over the next two weeks they could pitch two shutouts, and, and you learn nothing. You learn nothing because I think uh, you know everybody's going to say, and I, I'll be right there with everybody else. It's like, well, it's Kansas and Texas Tech. What do you expect? I think if you get a shutout You're against 30... Tech, that's, a, that's showing a little bit. I, I'll i be completely honest, and we'll get into it next week. It's like I didn't realize that Kansas, I mean, uh, that Texas Tech's 5-2 and two this year. Yeah, they could be 6-2. and two. They'd beat Kansas State Saturday. Which, Chris Kleiman, Chris man. Kleiman might cry you're in the in, You're in a bunch of trouble, aren't you? You need help, don't you, brother? Uh, but Can, yeah, can we like, do an individual week. pod on that? Just that 30-second <laughs> little bit? If I was if I was uh, Fitz right now, I would go out and get one of those Kansas State male cheerleader uniforms and do a bit. Oh my God. <laughs> I bet you would. I think you might still need to do that anyway. So go ahead and go ahead and get going on that, Eddie. I wonder if anybody that works for Fox has his uh, old male uniform jersey that I could uniform uh, outfit that I could wear, <laughs> Tulsa. Oh no. Um... All right, uh, we do have some Zoom calls coming up. We're trying to fit this podcast in. There's been some big recruiting news come down. Uh, let's hit on that because, as we said when we started this one, it's Kansas. There's really nothing to talk about, and all we've done is talked about uh, and argued and been pissed off for about 50 minutes well, we, now. We sent Caleb Williams to New York City, and I think that uh, OU defense should rehire Mike Stoops. Hey, hey, I, I've got some insight into Kansas. They're not good. They're, they're just not good at football. <laughs> So okay, they're not, like, they're not even a like a Puka Williams, where you could get a guy yes. Like, there's oh, not there's not like a scary option guy. or a mm-hmm. what's it, the Armstrong guy, the defensive end, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they used to have a they used to have a really good defensive line. Like it was like Wise, everybody in the Armstrong, conference yeah. would have taken would have swapped their linemen with theirs at one point. Yeah, and at least David Beatty's dad let JFK die. Eddie is informed today. Monetization Woo. again, man. <laughs> That's factually true. He was a cop in Dallas. Look it up. Oh, God. I, you know, I, I said it was crazy to fire Beatty. I got a bunch of, well, I mean, not a bunch, but relatively speaking to the Kansas football fan base, I got a lot of response on that tweet, and I don't hear from those people much anymore that were certain Les Miles was going to fix it. Oh, he well, maybe it. just maybe Kansas is an awful, awful football program, mm. and nobody can help them. I mean, we've been there many times. It's not great. There's not nothing. Me. There's nothing appealing about the entirety say, of that though, program. I love covering games up there because you can basically move around wherever you want. Easy to get to the games. Easy to get. I would there. imagine it's like being Easy on a shoot. high school game. It is. It's a little bit like that. Yeah. I've been I've been on high school sidelines that are more packed than Kansas. <laughs> God, that's, that's I, I swear that's like a that's a serious statement. 
Uh, speaking of, and we, we can get into where I went last week if we want to, but I, I I saw my first high school game inside a baseball stadium last week, uh, the old Globe Life in, in Arlington. How was oh, that? Really? That's, that's amazing. There's so much room on the sideline, like it, the way that, that it fits into the stadium. It's unbelievable. And I will say the difference between a professional stadium sound system and that of a high school makes sideline conversations very interesting. That was a little different um, because when, when they play, um, I don't know, Lady Gaga, just as an example, there's a lot more uh, bass behind what they're doing than the, uh, the four speakers at uh, you know, North Polytechnic High. Yeah, there's nothing like screaming at each other's faces in the era, era of COVID, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Texas. COVID's not here. Uh, okay, so I, I will officially no comment. You See, I'm gonna be mature about that. See? <laughs> Even though it's over. There's no reason for us to put any of this on YouTube. We're never gonna get monetized. <laughs> Ever. Uh so anyway, you made some trips, but let's start out with uh, the big commitment. I, I, I you know, honestly, I'm gonna defer to Bob and Eddie, let them get it started. They were there. They were at the announcement, they should set the table on this. I was sort of, uh, I don't know if I was curious what the reaction was, was going to be, but it was sort of overwhelming to see how happy they were him picking the Sooners. I guess just for the last, you know, four or five years, that feeling of Tulsa kids or that Tulsa area doesn't care about OU, you wouldn't know that based on Monday. I'm sure a lot of that's about Gentry himself as a person, but that was a pretty cool scene after, you know, he took the jacket off and had the shirt and the hat and the family did the same thing. Just that was a, for as little amount of people that were actually at that signing ceremony, it felt like a lot of people were there when that official announcement finally went down. You know, it's one of those things, Bob, that when we go to these uh, announcements and, uh, you know, signings or whatever, you can get a good feel uh, just based off the crowd, like, is this kid very well respected by his classmates? Is he very well liked by his classmates? And 100%, you can tell that Gentry Williams is kind of one of those cornerstone kids of Booker T. Washington. Or at least that's what it felt like to me. Like, he, a, lot of, a lot of people look up to him, I guess would be the best way to say it. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants, obviously they wanted to get their picture with him, and he was more than accommodating to have everyone come in for pictures with him and he answered every you know every last question and you know you you could tell like you know the weight you know big weight lifted off his shoulders being able to say that recruitment is over and and done with and as said before about Gabe Dindy last week say again this week credit to Lincoln Riley Alex Grinch Roy Manning for just never losing their cool rolling with all the punches the ebbs and flows where maybe USC maybe Florida maybe Missouri just never, ever flinched and knew when to strike last month, all those official visits, and it finally paid off. Offered April 2019, it pays off in October 2021. And I don't think that we, I don't think that we like necessarily undersold it. I don't think that there's, there's any truth to that. But I don't think that people realize, Josh, how big this was for Oklahoma to be able to go up to Booker T. Washington and, get, and not just go to Booker T., but – Simply put, get one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, guys, when when I I thought the Booker T angle was a really interesting part of this story that I don't know 
that everybody kind of understands. There, there is a feeling there that sometimes Oklahoma overlooks their guys and doesn't, you know, even when they offer them, maybe they're not that invested in them. Got, I mean, we know about the kind of talent that's at Booker T. Every, every roster at Booker T probably has one or two guys that are legitimate OU type players. Now, I'm not saying maybe they don't fit. Maybe there's a reason why they weren't recruited, you know, grades, whatever it may be. But it is there's a guy there that has that level of talent since 2013 OU's offered four Booker T guys one was Dax Hill he was probably never coming to Oklahoma the other one was JV and Hester um that OU kind of backed off on toward the end another is Gentry and then you've got Micah T so in back-to-back years Oklahoma has a chance to really write the story I, and I when, I when I say write, I mean R-I-G-H-T fix the story of what's been believed at Booker T for so long, if they get Gentry and then follow with with Micah T's, then you've really started to turn the picture a little bit and make Booker T guys feel like, yeah, you can go to Oklahoma. That that's okay. That that's a good place. Oklahoma likes Oklahoma kids, you know. And you, you get to really make that a new narrative, kind of change the storyline there. But yeah, I I mean Gentry Gentry's a huge win for Oklahoma. This is. This is a nationally elite defensive back that Oklahoma just hasn't landed very often. We, we, it's no different than Latrell McCutcheon last year. You know, it, it's in their home state, but still, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways, there were more programs pushing for Gentry down the stretch than maybe there were with Latrell. I think Latrell really came down to Oklahoma and Alabama and he felt like Oklahoma could get him on the field earlier and he had a great relationship with Roy Manning. With Gentry, OU was working hard against Florida, USC, uh, Missouri, and I know people are kind of wondering about Missouri. Missouri's coach is probably the best relationship he has, and that's because the secondary coach there used to be at Tulsa, and there's a real bond between those two. So there, there was a lot going on for Gentry Williams, but this is a huge win for OU. And Josh, I thought your story with uh, with Gentry was kind of eye opening a little bit, a little. Kind of cringeworthy, where he basically said, "Yeah, I want to help them uh, get better. You know, I want to help them get back." Like you, you see a guy that commits to him, and he's like, "Yeah, it's not all going all that well there right now." I mean, and he still commits. We did that interview Sunday night, so he's really got TCU fresh in his brain. But no, I mean, it, it's fair. Like guys, I mean, for whatever else we can say. Oh, the defense, you know, has gotten better the last few years. Secondary has remained a bit of a question mark. There, there have been problems to varying degrees over the last couple of years. So, I, I, I do. I and I, you know, the other way to look at that is he he said it repeatedly. I, I believe in Coach Grinch. I believe in what he's doing defensively. I think it's going to work, and that we're going to have success. I mean, that, that's kind of the way he worded that. So, again, I mean. Part of it is, it's interesting because the, the story has always been, well, Grinch isn't a great recruiter, but he's a, you know, he's a quality defensive coordinator. Well, on this one, people are getting to be like, well, you know, the defense isn't going as well, but Gentry, the recruit, believes. So it's kind of funny how that storyline kind of turns a little bit. Outside of that, um, you know, I, I know everybody's kind of been out and about on some trips. Who wants to uh, jump in there? I will say, too, just just a, another follow-up on uh, Gentry for being up there. It is very obvious uh, that, you know, as much as people want to badmouth the kid, Patrick Fields played a very important role in uh, kind of 
you know, being a gateway, I guess, for Gentry and being able to answer questions and, you know, just be a friend, I guess, and kind of guiding him towards uh, his commitment to Oklahoma. So I, I think that that should be added as well. It's it's a good point. I mean, Gentry loves Pat. There, there's no doubt yeah. that that and was huge that Miley, for him. And Mike and Miles Teese are in his ear as well. And I sure. think that reversely, it's going to help probably land Micah Teese when it's all said and done for Oklahoma in 2023. But yeah. will it help with Chris McClellan? And that's where I wanted Josh to go next because Gentry was all in about getting Chris as part of the class. But is this looking like it might not happen? I... Okay, so when when I first heard that that was what he'd done, I had just kind of hit up a few people because I, I frankly I hadn't heard Chris say yes. Okay, I'm getting pretty close to the decision. Chris has been very hit and miss over the last few weeks, and that's usually you know I talk about this pot all the time. That's usually a sign something's coming, something's happening. But I hadn't heard him say it, so I heard it and I was like, well, let me let me do some checking, let me ask around, and um. It kind of just sounds like McClellan and Oklahoma just kind of went their separate ways. Like, I don't think it, there was nothing bad that happened here. I don't think it's ugly. It's nothing like that. I think I, I compared it. It's like a bad high school relationship. They could never get on the same page. Like, when OU was into McClellan, McClellan kind of wasn't into OU. And then when McClellan was into OU, OU kind of wasn't into him. Like, it, it seemed like they, it was like this game for, uh, you know, in George Costanza, like they were fighting for hand. Like, who would have more control over the relationship? And it just seemed like it never quite came off. And I think when it became clear that Hero Canoe, who was in last weekend, when it became clear he was very interested and really liked his visit, I think Oklahoma was kind of willing to say, you know, like maybe this just isn't going to work out for everybody because it sounds like Oklahoma's had some trouble connecting with Chris McClellan here as of late. And if that's the case, then, you know, you can't keep wasting your time on something. We, we've, we've given OU a hard time through the years of spinning their wheels on guys they were never going to get. And I think in this situation, they just said, we're, we're not going to allot time to something that's not going to end up well for us when we can go pursue Hero Canoe, who has been very receptive to us. You mentioned Hero. You want to talk about Thomas that showed up over the weekend? Yeah, yeah. You know, and to just as a quick follow-up on Canoe, everything I can tell that visit went very well. I, From what I've gathered, it sounds like it's enough to have made Ohio State a little nervous, and I think they were uh, very, very confident as of a week or two ago. So, I, you know, now it's early, and you expect he's still going to take some more trips. So, you know, the, these early visits are always kind of scary. You don't know how to read those. But it, it sounds like Oklahoma did all they could with Hero Canoe. So we'll see where that goes from here. Um, the uh, You mentioned, and I believe it's Azare Thomas, the uh, defensive back. And I hinted at it on last week's pod, right, as we were leaving air. Or I leave, is that the right way to say that when we're recording? I don't know. doesn't matter. Um I talked about, you know, okay, Oklahoma's bringing in a guy here that really they haven't been mentioned with in a long time, and it was Thomas. And he is a guy out of Niceville, Florida, kind of right in the panhandle of Florida. Um, And Oklahoma was involved with him early, and he was always pretty receptive. But I just got the impression they just turned their focus to some other guys, maybe saw that as kind of an uphill battle because he has a brother at Georgia Tech, and he's obviously close to the University of Florida. And so I think it always looked, well, that's – looked like that was the way that was going to go now as some of the 
structure at Florida starts to kind of crumble a little bit, I wonder if Oklahoma didn't just say, you know, let's, let's, let's kick the tires on this. Let's see what can happen. And he's a big, long, Alex Grinch-type defensive back, 6'2", 180-ish, uh, looks it on tape, big, just a big, impressive-looking dude. And um, Oklahoma brought him in, and I, I was given the impression that, o- that he left campus giving Oklahoma a very positive feeling about where his recruitment might go. Now, as I've learned more and checked into more, it sounds like that's something he kind of has a habit of doing. So to mm. me, I, I think it's going to be interesting. If he announces, hey, I'm making my commitment in the next week to 10 days, I think you've got a really good chance that's Oklahoma. You go out past that, then it gets kind of dicey. And it's kind of like what I talked about with Chris McClellan uh, after he left Ohio State and everyone was sure he was going to Ohio State. And I said, let's just see. Let's, let's, let's wait and see if something happens. Well, three, four months on, and Ohio State's as nervous as anybody else. Uh, they were very excited, you know, I, I think, to read some of the stuff out there that, may, that maybe OU and McClellan were headed in different directions. So we'll, we'll see where that all goes. But, um, but with Thomas, like I said, I, I think if, if OU can find a way to get him over the finish line here very quickly, then, hey, they've got a chance to do something. Um, because the three schools that were his finalists, one is Georgia Tech. You'd expect Oklahoma can win that race. The other two are Florida and LSU. I, I mean, not every year Oklahoma's going to go in the southeast and beat those two schools, but, boy, if there was ever a year to do it, this feels like the one. Do they have a set position for Thomas? I was told corner, and that was even that was kind of as we knew Gentry Williams was going to come down, and I had kind of said, hey, right. does – would, would Gentry impact that? Would, would that? And it was kind of a no, but when you watch him on tape, he is a big guy. So, I, you know, I, I think when you look at – because, I mean, they've told Xavier on Bryce he's going to be a corner. They've told Robert Spears Jr. Uh, Jennings he's going to be a corner. So my guess is all these guys are going to get a look at corner, and then Alex Grinch and Roy Manning are going to sit them down and say, look, you can do that. We'll leave you there. We told you we would give you that chance. But, boy, we've got a lot of playing time over here at safety, and you guys are big and strong, and we could use some bodies over there. Why don't you give that a look? I, I, that, that's the way I expect that to play. But, you know, like I said, I, it sounds like initially corner is the thought. Guys, I hate to say it, but uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, Zoom's yes, about five minutes away from beginning. Anything uh, you wanted to throw out there, guys, anyone, before we get out of here? I don't need to hear from Kennedy Brooks if we want to keep going. <laughs> um, I don't Zoom's think just gonna, I have... Zoom's just going to be messed up anyways. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. That's, uh, there's a way to go with it. Um, I'm trying to Sad think commentary. if there's anything else I've missed. Um, oh, uh, Real quick about yeah. the, about the games that you went to, uh, I mean, not often sure. you get to see the like you said in the breakdown, uh, the uh, twenty twenty two probably the number one player in the state, uh, in Devin Campbell, and then uh, obviously twenty twenty three with uh, Jovi. It's Joviano, right? It's Javian Toviano, which Javian is I Toviano. Not every day you meet a guy that has a V in his first and last name. Pretty pretty wild stuff. I never really thought about it until you said that, but and, you're, and you're not right. not every day do you send me video, and I like you know start going through the clips and stuff, and it's like, yeah, I, I can see why he's probably the number one player in 2023. My God. I, I, you know, 
We'll start with him. I, I, I would say it's pretty safe to say Javian Toviano is my first real man crush of 2023. That dude, cause he, he's a great player. He had a couple, he had one touchdown. Another one that would have been was called back on a holding that was kind of away from the play. Um, but as a corner, I mean, Arlington Bowie wanted no part of him. They, they didn't throw in his direction. They didn't look in his direction and nobody's gonna. I mean, unless you have one of those Garrett Wilson, Theo Weiss type receivers, you're not going in his direction. There, there, there's just no reason to do it. You're going to give that ball away. Uh, but also, and I mean, I, I talk to coaching staff that will, will say the same. His demeanor, that dude is a leader of your team, future captain. Like he gets all of it. He is just a very put together dude that understands. He's got an older brother that's playing football at Rice. Uh, he's academically strong. He's a leader in the locker room. Like he's, he checks all the boxes you're looking for. JV and Toviano is just that dude. So uh, th- there's nothing not to like. Um, Devin Campbell, I saw him last year as a, uh, as, excuse me, as a junior. Thought he was a little heavy. This year, that dude looks unbelievable. Just watching him pull around and doing it against a really good Arlington Martin team. And guys, he's going against a power five commitment in some of that tape. Um, RJ, uh, Cooper, uh, I believe he's committed to Stanford right now. Um, is a dude, 6'5, 250, big athletic dude. Devin Campbell just owned him all night. There, there was nothing Jackson was doing with him. He was, uh, excuse me, Jackson Cooper was going to do with him. He, he was just dominant from beginning to end. And watching him pull, and I've got, uh, there's a couple of clips of it. I don't know how you don't watch that and think of Oklahoma's GT counter. Like just thinking of him pulling on some of that stuff for Bill Bedenboe, it, I mean that he is perfect for OU and I, I don't think there's any question he would probably be the most talented interior guy OU has signed if they were able to finish that and land him in 2022. Yeah, he looked great. Both of the guys looked I mean that that looked like yep. that was a hell of a fo- who won the football game? I don't even know. Martin smashed him. It was like seventy to fourteen. It, 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 it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, like I, I I know you guys got a run. I, I, you guys just gonna stop talking? Okay. Uh, I'm, no, I missed something. <laughs> I was saying something. Eddie was saying something. I was like, I didn't hear all of what oh, Eddie I, said. So I just said Arlington Martin's prime for another big run through the city. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the, this this might be their best team because offensively, they're always good on defense. They've always got good athletes that can run and do all this stuff. And they're doing all this without the Texas linebacker commitment. Uh, uh, Johnson, I, I think he's got a twin brother, and I always get him crossed up, but I know his last name is Johnson. He's a good player. He he basically bypassed this season because he needed to have a surgery, so he went ahead and did the surgery so he'd be ready to go once he got to Austin. But they're doing this without him. But offensively, they've actually got some firepower, and that's that to me is the big difference with this group. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, the Isaiah Thomas show will be coming back uh, tomorrow, so check uh, check that out. I know uh, Josh and I have uh, we we've got plans to get some YouTube stuff going for recruiting. Uh, maybe get uh, Bob and Eddie involved in that as well. So uh, lots of new stuff coming, but we appreciate everybody for listening. And uh, thanks to DeadSoxy.com, as always, for listening, uh, as well as uh, the uh, Eskridge Lexus Auto Group uh, for uh, helping us out with the post-game pod and travel and all that stuff, too. So uh, until next time, uh, you've been listening to the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.